You're listening to Drinking on the Job, D-O-T-J. I'm your host, John Coyle. Drinking on the Job is a toast to the culture of food, wine, and all things fermented. We'll be talking with winemakers, musicians, artists, late-night bartenders, scoundrels, and more. It's time to grab a glass before its last call. So Pierre Gastadello is a force of nature in the natural wine world. He heads up Bobo Selections, one of the hottest portfolios in the country. All the wines are organic, biodynamically farmed, harvested by hand, fermented with only indigenous yeast, and he just landed after two years of lockdown in France. So look out, New York. Here comes Pierre. Pierre, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, man. So uh, for those listening, uh, give us the short story of how you kind of came to the wine world. What was the wine bug? Was there a bottle that got you into it? Uh, how you found your way to uh, creating Bobo and this, this incredible book? So I started in, in the wine business about seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had the chance to, to meet Tom uh, mm-hmm owner and uh, director of Chedward Wines in France. Uh, right. As I was living in Aix, he gave me a chance and I just uh, started my career by working for Chedward. But then step by step, I I was discovering and learning a little bit more about wine and uh, and I met a producer that changed my mind, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is uh, Bertrand Jousset and sure. his wife Liz. <laughs> and um, so I was just, you know, uh, working with a diversity of wine, mm-hmm. sustainable, uh, conventional, really classic wines but also organic biodynamic and then when I met uh, Liz and Bertrand Jousset I discovered like the natural wines and this is what really changed my mind in terms of like philosophy you know like Mm -hmm. production style and right so since the word natural really doesn't have a uh definition which is where m- most people want to argue about and it's crazy the way natural wine has become uh, like so politically divided uh, which drives me absolutely insane but um so tell people when you say natural what you mean so um natural means first organic or biodynamic farming Mm -hmm. that's the first thing then um in terms of uh, harvests um everything is harvested by hand and then for the fermentation process there is only indigenous yeast so the yeast that belong to the grapes and that reflect uh, the identity of the terroir Mm -hmm. the place where the the vines and the grapes have been growing and uh, for the vinification there is no additive. Um, the only additive that we can get is a little bit of sulfite when it's necessary. Uh, but outside of the sulfite, there is nothing added. It's right. purely grapes, pressed, fermented, and that makes wines. Right. So we, t- we talk about terroir a lot in the wine world. I think what the natural uh, movement really is about is, is this actual transmission of a place. Uh, of a terroir and of a people of an, an, an environment. And yeast is a good... Uh, flashpoint because prior to indigenous yeast or didn't people didn't and people in the past always did uh, but you used to be able to buy a yeast strain to start a fermentation and that yeast strain, that yeast strain could actually flavor the wine and you could yeah. pick a yeast to flavor the wine right yeah um, you can choose like raspberry flavor yeah. Uh, red fruit flavors, black fruit flavors, whatever, whatever you want. It's it's like a Coca Cola, right? Right. It's like you can make whatever you you want. It's not the nature speaking anymore. It's more like uh, the human additions. Yeah. Speaking. So I would I would venture to say that the natural wine world was the biggest uh, shift or event in in the 21st century in regards to 
wine in general. I mean, a global shift, like Australia, Austria, this coming back to the roots of winemaking that are 8,000 years old, that people used indigenous yeast, um, and it seems to like be back uh, strong, and, and for all the, the right reasons. So then you meet Jusei, uh, and then you have this aha movement of like, this is the road or the path uh, that I, I want to go down, right? Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah. You know, when I met this, it's, I think in, in life it's always like a meeting, right? Mm-hmm. That changed your, your way of thinking, that's, mm-hmm. that really changed your, your mindset. And um, when I met these people, uh, first I tasted their wines. Uh, it was at a wine fair in Berlin, uh, the Raw Fair. And then I said, okay, these people are really interested, uh, interesting. I need to visit them. And when I discovered the place, uh, the way they were working, so in the vineyard it's, it's a really different style compared to like the more conventional or classic right. uh, farmers and but not only about the winemaking it's also about the lifestyle i would say you know uh, the way they eat the way they feed the way they think uh, oh. the li- music they listen to it's 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 really it's a lifestyle it's right. not only about the wine it's purely a lifestyle right it's a, it's just kind of a spiritual connection and lots of times in these natural wines you feel uh, there's an energy yeah uh, in the wines that you can't quite put your finger on and you know, I think one of the times you were here, probably three years ago, you went to a restaurant. We don't have to name the restaurant, but uh, this would be you know, the political divide. And you were with your friends from Paris. And mm-hmm. we're going to talk about your days in Paris, searching the wine bars and trying to figure out what, yeah, yeah what's going on culturally. And, you yeah. know, uh, just tasting, tasting, tasting is what we do. Um, and you had a wine, and it was so flawed that you had the Somme come over and said, uh, I'm sorry, this wine is off. And it was a natural wine, of course. And the VA, which smells like nail polish remover, yeah. was so over the top, you said, I just couldn't drink it. And the guy was like, you don't understand the wine. And I said, please, please, you didn't tell him that you worked worked with us, did you? Yeah. And you're like, no. But like, he wouldn't come over. And he yeah. sent somebody else to deal with me for the rest of the night. That's yeah. the political divide I'm talking about. Yeah. And I think since then, we've seen an incredible growth in this natural wine world where the wines aren't as flawed. Um, they're just, they've been kind of for lack of a better, cleaned up? Or, or maybe they just perfected their technique, right? Yeah, the, definitely. Uh, we have been seeing so much improvement mm. um, in the natural winemaking because, of course, uh, when you do not add anything, when you do not manipulate, mm. it's really hard to, to make something clean and precise, right? Right. So, definitely a lot of improvement because I think uh, the technique comes with the experience so let's say like this is your first vintage and you don't want to protect your wine you don't want to do anything you have a lot of chance to produce a fucked up wine right Right. sure but then you learn from your mistake then you you go to the next vintage and you are getting better and you are getting better and at the end you learn how to make wine clean without touching, without manipulating, without adding anything. Right. I remember being in Loire Valley and we were in Mont-Louis and uh, looking for stuff. I think I was with uh, Patrick Burke who used to work mm-hmm. with us. And we were in somebody's cellar and this guy was and you could see why these wines are fucked up. The guy was smoking. <laughs> the cellar was filthy. I, the guy did everything except fart. Mm. <laughs> Patrick was like, let's get the fuck out of here. And they, but the level of acceptance for the really bad wines were high, which I don't think they are anymore. Um, but there's a, an acceptance of slight flaws, which to me is character. It's like somebody who has a very interesting nose, right? Uh, and they have character. Um, the, uh, so they, they have an identity. And part of that transparency is like, those flaws might be from a vintage. You know, they got rain at the end of the vintage. So, yeah. um, But 
that should reflect what the wine is about too. The people, the vintage, yeah. uh, and the growing season, right? And uh, yes. that's what I like about this kind of acceptance. Uh, not the fucked up shit <laughs> like, that you experience, right? No, but uh, and, and after the issue, it's like some some people are, are kind of looking for like this deviation, right? Like yeah. to feel like uh, this uh, animal taste, this. Mm. But for us, on our hands, and uh, not judging anybody, but we are always looking for again this clean and precise taste because we are still talking about wine mm-hmm. and this is how you said like the division in the natural wine scene it's like you have the very extreme natural people that would say i prefer to bottle a wine that is fucked up but do not add any sulfites right and then you have the other side that are like when i need to add some sulfites to protect my wine when it's necessary i will do it so right. one vintage will be very clean and i will just bottle the wine without anything right but then the next vintage will be super dirty and super difficult mm-hmm. uh, difficult sorry right. and i will just like put a little touch of sulfites to to make sure that my wine still tastes like a wine sure yeah no it's and uh, this it's is what we do this is what we want this is exactly what we are trying to source well that the we'll talk about the whole like much a uh, few more producers in the bobo portfolio but uh but you know if you're going back to like so when does this really start in the in the 50s loire valley which i think is like the rogue art colony of winemakers uh they've always made wine like this right um and it's kind of great to see them get their day in the sun basically their their fame beaujolais you couldn't sell a bottle of 15 years ago you couldn't give a bottle of beaujolais now lapierre the gang of four fuller all these guys i mean their their prices are expensive but equal to the value what's in the bottle. Mm-hmm. But if you think about like it started back then and then has now had this resurgence again in the 21st, in the early 2000s, which kind of runs parallel to what we were eating as more in America, what we eating, whole foods exploding. Michael Pollan, the botany of desire, the omnivore's dilemma. So we started having a real consciousness about food, mm-hmm. farming, and what we're putting in our body. And it only made sense that it would you know, cross over into our wine world, right? Yeah. <clears throat> um, Definitely. But, you know, uh, to, to talk about these points, I think it's, um, according to the region, it's always very important that we have a, a mentor, right? Sure. Like Just like you said, the Gang of Four in Beaujolais, that means that a lot of young people have been working for, for these guys, and then right. they started their own projects. But without the experience of these pioneers, right. without uh, their experience, they won't be able to make a natural wines uh, by themselves, or they, it took, it's going to take a lot of time. So, mm-hmm. what really, like, I think push uh, a lot of people to make natural wines, it's when you got, like, a mentor, a pioneer in a certain wine region that say, this is what I do, nobody likes it because it was 20 years ago, and people were like, this is not wine, what, 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 are you kidding me? Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. And then these young people started to work for them, and then they started their own project, and now we have a bunch of uh, super interesting producers in Beaujolais, in Loire, in Ardèche, in Jura. In yeah, and it's crazy, because they've all, it's like the six degrees of, you know, of natural winemaking, because if those are your mentors, it's the gang of four, and mm-hmm. uh, Nicolas Jolie from Loire Valley, or, yeah. you know, these, these guys, I mean, you've, you've learned under the tutelage of winemakers that made natural wine that was clean wine that was a, 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 a exactly. an, an incredible expression of their, their soil and where they yeah. were in the vintage uh so you, to, it's, it's exactly right and you know like uh, I, t- I go to a lot of, of wine tasting in france and in europe and um, very often when you taste a wine that is again very fucked up it's most of the time someone that is just starting by himself Without right. any teaching, without any experience, and say I'm going to make a natural wine, right? And just start the first vintage like that, and he's like, "Fuck," you know. 
and, and then eight of his friends go, "Oh my God, no, this is good. Yeah. This is great, right?" Yeah. I, but yeah, hopefully, uh, exactly. Uh, but isn't aren't you amazed at the way? Uh, so you've been to Raw, yeah, uh, you know, the the wine fair. So, um, so uh, you know, we we go back to Juice. So Juice is one of your first that you found yeah. that you had this kind of the light went on. There's an aha, yeah. right? I love what this guy do. There's a culture a lifestyle that should i should be continuing to look for wines like this which you've done an amazing job so tell us on some of those like journeys so, so uh, you also lived in paris for a while yep. and you went to the top wine bars in paris because you dragged me along one night uh the last place we were at we were an underground cough and we were yeah. drinking ridiculously <laughs> old like burgundies and uh i barely remember because and i had to get on a plane the next day yeah. but you knew paris like the back of your hands and you knew every top sum mm-hmm. uh, that was into this kind of uh, community. community that yeah. you that then would turn you on to all these great producers, mm-hmm. and that was probably the second stage of like really getting Bobo, um, finding other great producers for Bobo, and kind of crystallizing what you thought the book should look like, right? Yeah. So Paris, it's in my opinion like the hub for natural wines you know oh. it's really like the place where it started a long time ago and i think uh, most of um, the the natural wine producers from all over the world have their wine in paris at some places um so when i realized that uh, and after meeting jose and realizing that i wanted to develop my knowledge about natural wines i right. knew that i had to move to paris establish myself there mm-hmm. and learn about natural wines right because I was living in in the third, in Paris, right. and just around my place, uh, my apartments, there was uh, maybe f- ten natural wine places, restaurant, wine bars, wine shop. That's so you right. were just going there, talking to someone. Hey, tell me what is new, uh, what's the, the the next thing to taste, you know? Right. And I just I was learning in Paris a lot, but not only Paris. After when you travel, you know, when when you only think about natural wine, when you only drink natural wine, you are always looking for something right. new, something that you do not know. Well, the cool thing is, the difference is like I think New York has a very similar vibe as Paris in that there's so many great wine bars. But the difference is, if you're in Paris, you can jump the TGV and be down the south of France, yes, and then go explore the Ardèche, or you yeah. jump in your car, or you can go to uh, Burgundy and go meet Nodan or some exactly. You know, like, so that's the beauty of being there, which is probably the point of you being there. Yes, right? definitely, <clears throat> and it's it's the opportunity to to be in a wine shop in Paris to discover wine. To say, hmm, this is delicious. I want to know more about these producers. Then you call him, and mm-hmm. two days later, you are at the winery, right. uh, working with him in the vineyard, and you know, discovering what he's doing there, and which is really insane. <laughs> so, so that certainly helped you grow uh, the portfolio. Yeah. I mean, you've had a fast climb. Bobo started in two thousand seventeen. Nineteen. Nineteen. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, super fast. That's like two years. Um, so we started like about I would say three years ago, right? And uh, early nineteen. Mm-hmm. And um, when we started, it was about three producers, and that's wow. it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we just started, you know, like step by step, try, trying, testing what we are doing, and uh, I was just discovering more and more producers, and you know, of. I want to mention as well that it's not only again about the wine; it's it's also about the people and and, sure. and the mindset. So sometimes I was in Paris, I was discovering a really interesting wine, I was meeting with the producers, mm-hmm. and then I was like, I don't have a feeling with this guy. It's kind of di- a decade, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, too bad, but I don't want to represent this guy in the U.S. because what I want to represent it's a great wine um, at a really good price and with a great. 
spirits behind the bottles. I, you know, I, you're, you're totally right. I don't know why it is, but I've been in tasting rooms. If I don't like the guy, I'm like, Impossible. he's a fucking asshole. The wines don't taste great. Yeah. I, it, it, he has an effect. Or you're like, oh, fuck, I could never. T-. I always say like, okay, so even if this guy does make good wine, do you want him calling you once a week yeah. or once a month? No. Yeah, right. exactly. And this is very important in our job because we are kind of the ambassador of these wineries here in the US. Yep. So every day uh, our team are like in the streets trying to show these wines to a bunch of people to kind of fight for Got these it. people, right? Yeah. And you don't want to fight for someone that you do not like. Right. You want to fight for someone that you respect, sure. someone that you really enjoy. Right. And this is why it's super important for 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 me and for us to, to find people that are also like, you know, going very well with what we are doing, mm-hmm. have the same spirit, the same philosophy. Right. Yeah, that's... Um it's really important. Uh, I, I I totally agree, and I have to uh, admire how hard you've worked. Uh, I've known you for a long time now, uh, and uh, how quickly you pick things up. It's amazing. And Thank you. Let me tell you, like the biggest challenge that I thought you were like, oh my god, and you succeeded at. Alsace is the most difficult area to sell of any wine region, yes. uh, you know, in, in the world. And they make fantastic wine. But for some reason, there's an identity crisis. Is it German? Is it Austrian? Mm. Alsace, it just has an identity crisis. Um, you decided you go to Alsace and go to Dealer Cardet, which is one of the old school producers that still does stuff with horse and plow. And mm-hmm. so fitting your ethos of organic and all that stuff. And um, you convinced them that they needed to do a skin contact. Yeah. Was it Gewürztraminer? Yes, and a yeah. little bit of Muscat. And Muscat. And everyone's like, wow. And that wine came into New York and disappeared so quick. And I thought, this is exactly what Pierre does great. <laughs> um, and also, you believe in it. And you, you that transmits to people. This is sincere. Yeah. Um, I always say, like, people know bullshit when they hear it or but taste it or see it. You know, it's it's. Um, I'm very lucky to, to have uh, to the, the, the job that I'm doing today because I'm kind of in between the farmer in France and uh, the restaurant retail, the market here in the U.S., so when you are here in the US, you see, you know, like what is happening, what people are looking for. So when you go back to France, you are like, look, you have been kind of doing the same stuff for like <laughs> 20 years. What about this, right? Yeah. What about doing like an orange wine? What about, right. you know, and then you start this conversation with these people. And at the end, these people are really grateful because yeah. they are like, without you, without your um not clarification, but, you know, without opening our eyes and mind, yeah. because they just stay in their vineyards, they don't move, they don't fly, they, yeah. they just, you know, like do the work in, in, in their location. Right. So you are like, hey, what about this? And you are kind of challenging them. Yeah. And they're like, okay, we are ready to for, for that. That's great. You have challenged, but some people said no, thank you. But it's crazy because yeah. uh, they have, right? And yeah. But but Derla to me is, you couldn't get much more old school than those guys. And they have Grand Cru Vineyards and Gewürztraminer. And by the way, uh, Nobody buys Gewürztraminer. (laughs) Let's be honest. It goes with like Chinese food and that's it. And it's just not my opinion. Most Master Psalms, I've always joked, that's the first grape you killed. Master Psalms will say, ah, Gewürztraminer doesn't really go with anything other than Szechuan Chinese food. So you took the most difficult grape from one of the most old school producers (laughs) and you convinced them to do it and it was a huge success. So kudos to them for being open-minded and for you to like, believe me, trust me. Mm -hmm. um, And that's why you're great at what you do. Thank you, John. And you know, to talk about this uh, cuvee, it's it's a Grand Cru. Mm -hmm. But uh, Grand Cru Alsace doesn't mean anything. Even for us in France, nobody cares about Grand Cru Alsace. You care about Grand Cru from Burgundy. uh, But 
Grand Cru from Alsace doesn't mean anything because there are so many because there is not they, they, enough communication even if I totally respect like the yeah. quality of this Grand Cru and, right. but at the end when the bottle arrives here in the US it's a f really expensive wine mm -hmm. with not so much information about it why it's right. that expensive compared to this regular Alsace so we just declassify a Grand Cru Gaverstraminer into a skin contact wine right. which is a vin de France now <laughs> By the way, I'm bringing three bottles of that to Thanksgiving because I had it at my house, mm -hmm. and I, like five people, like, where do I find it? And it's gone. Yeah. So I have, you know, uh, I have some I'm bringing to please my friends who are coming for Thanksgiving. This is fantastic dinner, which makes me really happy that I could get get some bottles for them. But that's that's all your work, and that's all you're doing. Uh, so, where's your favorite place to travel? Like wh when you're working, like huh. it's a great question. Um, hmm. I would say like the Rhone Valley and the Loire Valley, yeah, because this is where we have like uh, the biggest amount of producers, right? And uh, just spending time with them, it's 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 really unique. Mm -hmm. So when you say travel, you mean in France or do you mean like in, in, in the world? In France, when you're working and trying to find stuff, I mean it's uh... um, so Rhone Valley, Loire Valley would be my best area, but in terms of landscape, yeah. I would say Ardèche. Okay. Uh, which is a very very unique place. Why, Not is, it, so why famous. is it so unique? You know, it's like a lot of hills. Right. Um, it's small villages, but you feel like you are in France. Like I would say. If 200 years ago you know right. it's not like new buildings it's not like it's um, it's really old school uh, villages right. and really preserved you know right. it's pure it's beautiful rivers it's so green yeah. even during summertime because if you look at the Rhone Valley and all of the south of France it can be super dry yeah. but Ardèche always remain uh, very green because it's higher in altitude you get more rainfalls and uh, also like uh, the hills are, are so beautiful right. And you can still buy vineyards that are reasonable, For or their old families. That's yeah. nothing. Yeah. The quality of food, of charcuterie, of it's it's insane, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's now a very unique place. Now you make me want to travel. Yeah. Uh, so you know what I love about the natural wine world is that you see it in Australia. You see it in like places that were just kind of making wine that weren't wasn't selling anymore. Nobody was buying Australian wine. Then you have uh, like these producers come out of Australia that are doing Zabibo with skin contact and yeah. all of a sudden they're making a big difference. Uh, actually, we're going to drink some wine. You can pour me, please. Um, but that's what I love. It seems to be, as you said, it's a community, but that community has become very large. I mean, Raw used to be a small little yeah. fair uh, and it would be in a some like backwater or if it came to New York, it'd be way out in Bushwick in an old warehouse. Yeah. And eh, now, I mean, it's it's packed. Um, people are, are, and it doesn't matter where it's from, uh, speaking of which we'll talk about this one shortly, um, it, it's people more interested in like, is, is it the right farming um, and does it taste good? Uh, and that's the most important. And I think that's, as a wine person, I try not to get caught in the academic like debates because mm. it, that's what I don't like about wine is this elitist kind of attitude. And what I love about this natural wine world is just like people just want it to taste good. The wines tend to be lower in alcohol, which I like, <laughs> you know, no hangover or less of a hangover. But I think it's <clears throat> going also really well with the, the food movement. Yeah. I feel like, you know, uh, there is much more care about uh, mm. what we eat, what we drink. Sure. Yeah. It's, uh, it's again uh, like a, a philosophy of just being more earthy and, and getting more pure taste and less artificial taste. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But like, 
if you wanted to like put it in words like there would be like Alice Firing has been a huge advocate I think she has her fourth book coming out on on natural wines but you know there's no there's no Alice Firing if there wasn't a Robert Parker right you needed somebody who just sung the praises of high points high alcohol lots of oak you know and, and gave them big points but because it got America into the game Right, we appreciated like what Parker did because if there's no Parker, there's Alice, mm-hmm. and like Alice is now. I mean, she's been an advocate with Lee Campbell and mm-hmm. uh, a, a bunch of like American psalms that I know that were part of um, Byron Bates. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, way ahead of this, talking about this like 20 years ago. But uh, it's a, uh, you know, it's a, it's a very cool that it has been broadly accepted. Where do you think it goes from here? Is it going to continue to like? You mean um, the natural wine movement is just gonna? Are we gonna I, be tasting wine from China? Are we doing like Chinese pet nuts? Uh, I think it's still it's it will always be like a niche. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because obviously it's not being produced by millions and millions yeah. of bottles. Mm-hmm. It's a very small production according to the producer. Yeah, so it's always going to to be a niche, and the market will be always dominated by volume wines because this mm-hmm. is the reality of right. nowadays. But uh, I think, yeah, as you said, like we are going to find natural wines from new location more and more. Mm. Like I know that now we are making natural wines in Canada. Right. Uh, like the U.S. is just exploding, I think, in yes, terms yeah. of natural wine production. Right. Like France, Spain and Italy would be, I would say, like the pioneers of natural wines, mm. maybe. Yeah. Even if maybe Georgia made natural wines thousand and thousand years ago. Yeah. But this is where you find like the largest amount of natural wine producers. Right. But of course, like you just need someone motivated, uh, someone talented that right. is like going to break the rules okay. and say like you're going to have to give us a trade secret here. We are drinking uh, the son, the sons of wine. Yes, Petnat. Yes. Uh, so, how do you find this guy? This is an interesting story. So, let's give us the backstory on this gentleman. <laughs> how you found him? So, um, I was in Paris. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went to this uh, really nice uh, natural wine restaurant uh, called Goguet. Mm-hmm. And uh, I tasted uh, a Gewerstraminer uh, maceration mm-hmm. that I really liked. Really cool packaging as well. <laughs> really right. nice label. And I was like, mm, this is really good. So I called this guy. His name is Farid Yaimi. Mm-hmm. And uh, I told him, like, hey, Farid, like, I just discovered your wine in, in Paris. I'm, I really love what you are doing. Can I just come and, and discover your world? And he said, yeah, for sure, come down. And I just took a train, you know, went to, to Alsace and spent some time with him. And I just fell in love with, yeah. uh, with this person. And where's Farid from? So he's from Algeria right. uh, at the beginning. And um, born and raised in France, but his family uh, was from Algeria. And um, he just started to, to be in the, in, in, in the wine business uh, by working with like conventional wineries. All right. And then uh, really passionate about nature, about biodiversity, and started to, to purchase some grapes and to make natural wines really, really quickly. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, who was his mentor? Like Christian Biner. Oh, Christian Biner, who's a natural yeah. winemaker, right? He, he, was, yeah. uh, he was a little bit working with him, and uh, now he's using a, a space in his winery to store the wines mm-hmm. and using also some uh, tank and, you know, right. like press uh, to, to make his wine. He's, like Farid is not new. He's like a 45 years old person, mm-hmm. but um, he has been growing really quickly. Yeah. And uh, what he's doing is very unique in Alsace. Because all of the 
most of the people from Alsace, they are going to, to produce wine from Alsace, right. right? Sure. But Farid, his idea, it's obviously to produce wine from Alsace, but also to produce wine from other places. Right. So he's like buying Pinot Donis from the Loire mm -hmm. and making Pinot Donis. <coughs> he's making some Beaujolais. Right. And what we are drinking is coming from Spain. Right. It's Verdejo. Right. It's unique story for that. Delicious. So tell us the Verdejo story. So um, he's um, a really good friend of Ismael Gozalo. We, we, he's a natural winemaker from northern Spain. Uh, the name of the village, it's called Nieva, and mm. it's in the Rueda appellation. Oh, yeah, Rueda, yeah. Rueda. <coughs> yeah. And uh, so the name of the winery is Mi Microbio. Microbio. Yeah, okay. And um, really good friends, and uh, it discovered that um, in, in this location, the soil structure was very similar to the soil structure in Alsace. Hmm. So it was like, Sand I want this challenge. Like, yeah. uh, some kind of galet roulé, but a lot of grey. So it's, yeah, mm. sandstone. Yeah. Uh, huh. A lot of sandstone, uh, a lot of limestone, but it's micro terroir, you know, right. it's breaking in so many micro terroir. And uh, this is what is happening in Alsace. This is why they have so many wines. It's because they are, there are so many micro terroir. Right. And so when he found like this exact, uh, like same soil structure, he said, I want to make a pet nut from there. So um, he spoke with Ismael. He said, I want to buy some Verdejo from you. And he put the Verdejo, uh, so he go down to, to Spain, harvest by hand with his team, put the Verdejo into a truck. Hmm. The truck is driving back to Alsace. Wow. So it's about like 14 hours drive. Refrigerated truck. Yeah, yeah. temperature yeah. control. Yeah. And then uh, he starts um, straight away uh, a skin contact. So what we are drinking, it's pretty atypical because it's, a pet nuts, but an orange wine pet nuts. Right. So four days of skin contact, whole cluster, no punch down, no pumping over. It's just like an infusion. It is so beautiful. The it's fermentation like, starts yeah. Oof, yeah. very slowly. Yeah. And after four days, rack, press, blend the free run juice with the pressed juice. And the fermentation keeps going into a steel tank. Hmm. And when um, there, there are 12 grams of residual sugar, stop the fermentation, bottle the wines, and the fermentation slowly restart in the bottle. So this is how you get this very delicate and thin bubble yeah. that I really like. It's gorgeous. And in March, disgorgements, no filtration, no sulfites added, and uh, he released the wines around June. Right. So this, is just, this just landed in New York like uh, about a week ago. So these wines come in and go out so fast, and I, they kind of remind me almost like craft beer, like this, like other half brewing or Grimm's. Like they only make so much. Like this is a very small production, right? But I think that's a good thing because people want change, you mm -hmm. know, instead of the same boring stuff all the time. So they just look for sons of wine, or if they just look for Bobo on the back label, yeah, they know that this is, you know, a a, a product they might not see for a while, so they should grab it. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's the whole idea. It's like a stamp, but um, we are not only doing, um, I would say, like tiny, tiny production. Like in most of the cases, most of the producers, we are getting like 50 cases, right. 100 cases. But I do have some producers, it's pretty rare, but that are making like 500 cases, for instance, you know, that we get for, for the US. Right. So um, I want you to take one second think about this because everyone thinks this job is easy. So I want you to tell them what a rough day looks like, like 
you get up at six in the morning and you taste 15 wines here, yeah. 20 wines here, then you drive 50 miles here, then you taste. Yeah. Give us like a really tough day where you're like, oh shit. It's cold, like Ladive in Loire Valley or mm. something, and the three days that lead up to that. Like, sh- tell me what a tough day is like. But I think the the most difficult parts it's um, it's the drinking parts. <laughs> I was like, you have the liver of a seventy year old yeah. uh, man at this point, and you're not yet thirty. Yeah, and yeah, right. and I think your podcast uh, drinking on the job. <laughs> it's exactly where the problem is coming from in our job. Yeah, it's like, you know. We we drink a lot of wine. We do, and unfortunately, the more you drink, the better you understand, the better you get experiences, right. memories. Taste. Remember, like yeah. tastes. So drinking could be a problem. We manage it, yeah, we right? Absolutely. We complement yeah. with a lot of sport. We we are trying to have like an healthy life. Mm-hmm. But like, let's say it's Monday, and you're gonna see producers. Then you're gonna start tasting wines at nine a.m. Yeah, and you are like, which is. Also, why uh, I really enjoy working with natural wines, it's these wines are not like big and, you know, yeah. and, 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 right. and really hard to drink because they are really easy drinking wines in general. Right. So if you start at 9 a.m., it's fine. You are not going to have black teeth yeah. and, you know, like be like, oh, my God, I want to like stop now. You know, yeah. it's easy drinking light and pure wines. Right. And really like for the people working in the conventional style that start to drink like Oof. big Cab Franc or Cabernet, yeah. right, oh, from, from, from whatever yeah. region, like not that easy. Yeah. But uh, a normal day would be a lot of driving, a lot of tasting, meeting producers, but also speaking with these people, sure. under, understanding why they are making one like that and what's their story and, and where they are coming from. Because, you know, when you, when you source a wine, of course, you want like the right price, the right label, the right taste. Yeah. But you also want to tell a nice story behind sure. it. I think it's very important that we also talk about the human being. Sure. Right. We have to be able to transmit that kind of spiritual experience, right? Yes. Um, what you're great at as well is I've seen you look at a winery and think not yet. Meaning in their evolutionary process. Yeah. In two years, three years, they'll probably be brilliant, but they're still learning. Um, and that's what you're great at. Because we've shared stories. You're like, I like this guy, yeah. but not yet. Yeah. And I, and that's a, that's a testament to your level of perfection and, and really kind of understanding uh, what... I mean, you're very uh, prideful about what gets that Bobo stamp. Yeah. I mean, anything that has that back label, this is Bobo, is like... It's a guarantee, like, mm. this is going to be fantastic wine. But you don't want also this producer to to go with someone else, right? Right, yeah. So you have to kind of have this conversation. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's super important for these people, like, to have a feedback on their wines, right? Sure. So to be really transparent, to be honest, and to honest, be like, yeah. look, really love what you are doing, but this doesn't taste right. It's too mousy. It's yeah. too, uh, too much default on this one, you know? Like, right. you should kind of change the way you are doing this or you I mean it's hard because we are not winemakers we are not farmers we are not doing the hard job because what we are doing it's very easy compared to these people absolutely like they are your hands aren't bleeding and your back doesn't hurt exactly yeah exactly so it's really hard to say like look this is wrong you should do this way it's not kind of easy to say something like that to a producer but we can definitely have this type of conversation saying that look our market is looking for this type of mm-hmm. wine at this price so let's 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 do something together you know let's let's work on something also if they're being honest with themselves and you say i think this wine is 
mousy, or it's there's two Bretonomyces, yeah. there's two like like horseshit. Uh, um, they know it, and when you call them on it, I think they appreciate it. Yeah, right. And if they don't, you know, hey, on the way out, say, by the way, your fucking dog's ugly. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're, you're like, but you know, it's like that's the way. That's the growth of a relationship, or yeah. having vision, or when you pick somebody up, and having a mutual relationship where you're helping to guide their business too, because you don't want to pick something yes. up and then drop it two years later. So that's 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 why it's super important to talk about the philosophy because Farid from Son of Wine mm-hmm. is making like maybe 15 different cuvées, and we are working with five right now, and mm-hmm. we're gonna get more step. Right, step by step. But Farid, all of his wines are zero sulfite added and zero filtration. So they are kind of very sensitive to um, to, to to evolve in, in the wrong way. Right. Right? Yeah. And what he's doing is testing any single wines. So it happened that Farid make a wine that will be fucked up. Not fucked up, but maybe mousy. Mm-hmm. So what he's going to do is going to keep the wine in his winery mm-hmm. and it's going to wait because most of the time you have to wait for the wine to be ready right. so a mouse uh, on a wine can disappear in like six months so instead of trying to sell the wines like right now because he wants cash flow he wants sure. he's going to say like stop this one needs to wait six mm. one year you mm. know six right. months one year and he's going to keep the wines and when he's going to release the wines you can be sure that the wines will be right. Perfectly drinkable, which is which is smart because it has his kudos name on to it. That. Yeah, kudos. It has his name on it, and it has Bobo's name on it. Yeah, so <laughs> exactly. So we are on the same page, Farid. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, and so, give us like a, another like story of like maybe Lestignac, like another producer that you found, and how's that happen? Oh, Lestignac, it's uh, it's, it's also a good example. So it's uh, uh, Camille and Mathias Marquet. Mm-hmm. from Bergerac so first they are located in a region where uh, most of the wines are conventional it's like co-op it's like yeah. bulk wine it's like yeah. a, a region where you want to produce as much as you can and you don't care about the taste it's like cheap wine it's good. for like the supermarkets good cooking wine so, yeah exactly <laughs> right <laughs> and um, and Camille and Mathias they took over uh, 17 hectares from their grandparents but it was too many hectares for them to work the way they wanted to work so they removed, uh, they sold seven hectares, like the, the seven hectares that they, they didn't really want. And they kept the 10 best hectares to work like a garden, like a vegetable garden. Right. It's crazy what they are doing down here. It's like co-plantation with uh, fruit trees. Right. They are really like focusing on biodiversity. They have uh, beehives. Uh, they are um, making shelters for the birds. Right. You know, and then the birds are going to eat all of the harmful insects in the yeah. vineyard. So it's really like creating a bubble of life yeah. into the vineyards. And um, they are making very, very interesting wines, in my opinion, because uh, Merlot, it's really like, and Cabernet Franc, it's like for the red wines, are right. the, the grapes down mm-hmm. here. And when you drink Merlot and Cabernet Franc from this area, 95% of the time, it's going to be a very rustic wine, a big wine with a lot of tannin, mm. with a lot of structure, and you need food to right. go with it. And these people are again breaking the rules. They are like, no, this is not what we want to drink and what we, what we want right. to sell. So they are working on Cabernet Franc and Merlot that are much more delicate, uh, much more elegant. They are beautiful wines. The tannins are so delicate. Uh, the purity of the wine is insane. The minerality is just like fabulous. And uh, for me, 
these people are, are pretty young as well, like they are in 35, you yeah. know, for, for 36 years old. Oh, very young. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, for a winemaker, yeah, yeah because no, no. most for of me, the people... For me, very young, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. But um, I'm, I'm very amazed by, by the work they are doing. They have also a lot of animals. Uh, so, for instance, when they want to remove the weeds in the vineyard, they have like a dozen of sheep. Yeah. that they put in the vineyard and the sheep eat the weed yeah. so it's like the weed killer is a sheep yeah, that's, that's perfect yeah. <laughs> you know it's really like working like a farm and focusing on the biodiversity because most uh, the most important parts of this it's in the vineyard yeah um, so what's coming up do you have any new producers coming on the pike that we don't know about yeah yeah uh, it's uh, it's not a wine producer; it's a beer producer. Oh, also a cider producer. I really want yes. to, to kind of kind cider. of move to that direction because we love wine, but sometimes it's also good to refresh your palate with a with a nice beer I or a nice cider. I agree. Seven percent alcohol, yeah. really light, but not a, a classic beer. Like uh, this guy is is using the lees from yeah. uh, some very famous producers so Liz from Ganeva in Jura from champagne la wow. uh from Clorougeard holy shit so when is this coming in? Uh, so we just got uh, our license we are going to get our license uh, yeah. like early January February Oof. so the beer should be here like around March April oh nice and I'm super excited about that. It's going to be a very small quantity. Uh, I'm going to get about 10 cases per cuvee. Right. But uh, I, I'm really, really uh, excited about launching Fuck, this. Uh, I love this it. Beer. I love the sound it's of that. It's going to be the first one yeah. for us. And yeah. uh, But it tastes more like a spet nut, like a beer, you know. I dig it. It's yeah. high acid. Uh, yeah. It's... Uh, it's the taste. It's insane. It's it's like you you are drinking a pet nut. Yeah. It's not like you are drinking I'm, a beer. I'm so excited for this. Um, so you're here in New York for a couple weeks. Yeah. So man, you're going to be busy. Uh, I mean, this, this New York is on fire right now, and uh, look out, everybody! Here comes Pierre. Uh, so I so we're at the part of the show where. God said, you know, came to you in a dream. He said, you know, the angels were allergic to sulfites. I don't know what they've been drinking, Pierre, but we need you to come home. You need to bring some of that great wine with you. So we're going to give you one last night on the planet. So what are you eating? What are you drinking? And what piece of music are you listening to? Okay. Which one of the three would you like me to what start with? What are you eating? <laughs> what are you eating first? Um, a lot of last veggies. Meal. Yeah? Yeah. Um, I really like just like pure vegetables mm. cooked without too, too much like um, cooking, just like regular uh, cooking, just perfectly uh, seasoned. Right. And for me, the most important is not the cooking, but the sourcing. Okay, cool. And what are you drinking with these vegetables? Um, <laughs> it's a good question. Should I mention a producer? Sure. Okay, so I'm not going. And you're living a bit. You're leaving the planet. You are going to be gone. So, ah, like, okay. make that the the defining. Let's do it again. For this. Okay. So, I mean, okay. Sorry. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so let's do it again. You are leaving. So your your eyes are closing. You are dying. You're going to float upward. Uh, what are you eating? Right Le before you. Yeah. Leeks. Yeah. What, leeks. Okay. Leeks. All right. <laughs> are they charred leeks? Or are they just sautéed leeks? Leeks with vinaigrette. Ah. And Girol. What's Girol? The mushroom. 
Oh, mushrooms. Okay. Okay. All right. You know the Giro's, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Chanterelle. Chanterelle. Okay. Okay. Let's okay. call it Chanterelle. Leaks. Okay. Leeks and Chanterelle. Nice. Leeks and Chanterelle. Okay. It's nice. Very nice pairings. I, I like, like that. What, so what are you drinking? And with this, I would drink a wine from Jura. Okay. Producer? Uh, yes. Julien Labbé. Ah, okay. A producer that I really love. Yeah. I love those wines. I uh, love the Sauvignon from him. Okay. High acid, a lot of minerality. Such a long mouth feel. Perfect. And that would be what I would take okay. to this planet. Right, now, Pierre, the eyes are closing. What are you listening to as you float to the heavens? <laughs> what piece of music it's, is floating? It's a really good question. Uh, I love soul music. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a, uh, a guy that I really enjoy. His name is Seal Johnson. Seal Johnson, okay. Yeah. S-I-L? S-Y. Oh, okay. Sil Johnson, okay. Johnson. And uh, the other one would be Anne Peebles. Anne Peebles. So I have a man and a, a woman. Give me a song. Uh, so from Sil Johnson, it would be Mr. Fine. Okay. Brown Frame. Okay. Okay. And from Anne Peebles, it would be Trouble and Sadness. Oh, Trouble and Sadness. That's, they're, they're related. Touch you a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Pierre, thanks. I'm super excited for you to be here for two weeks. Um, I think... People need to be looking at the back label. B-O-B-O, Bobo, wines are, well, it's the equivalent of like the most craft you know, products and wines that are on the market. Um, just grab them. Anything has that back label uh, because Pierre is doing his damnedest. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've done a few little spots where I'm like, drink Bobo wines. Why? Because they care about the world. They care about the planet and they care about their families. And that's what you do. You find the wines that can fit under that name Bobo. Um, So how do they find Bobo? You just need to go to a natural wine shop, a natural wine place in general. And they have a website? Uh, We have a website for sure. It's Uh boboselection.com. And uh, that's it. Thanks. Pierre, thanks for being on DOTG Podcast. Let's go listen to some music and have some beers. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jen. Right. Pleasure Cheers. to be with you. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check us out at dotjpodcast.com. Until then, I'll see you at the bar.